In order to keep bringing you guys tons of free content, we work with brand partners who you'll hear from in this episode, including an advertisement from Zopabank. Welcome back to another episode of the Talk 20s podcast. This is an episode you're not going to want to miss because today we're joined by YouTuber and self-development queen, Tam Kaur. On her YouTube channel, which has amassed over 800,000 subscribers, Tam shares her thoughts on how to be successful, feel fulfilled and create a life you love. In this episode, we uncover Tam's story with a behind the scenes look on her life that she hasn't shared quite so deeply on any other podcast. This episode also provides actionable advice on how to prioritize self-love, self-care, self-confidence, self-worth and self-growth. That's a lot of self. So buckle in for another amazing episode. And whilst you're at it, hit that subscribe or follow button so you can come along for the ride. So Tam, you have had a pretty eventful last 12 months. So kickstarting with this part of the podcast is always my favorite. Could you please show us a juicy photo from this time last year that no one has ever seen before? I don't know about how juicy it is, but I feel like it represents the time that I was in. Mm -hmm. This is me sat in my childhood bedroom at my grandparents' house on my laptop. I was just getting some B-roll to batch some TikTok content. Mm -hmm. I was living in this bedroom when I was like five years old. And so I had just moved back into it after graduating from university. And I was working on trying to secure some brand deals on my laptop at this moment in time. Um, Yeah, it was January. I had really unsteady and inconsistent income. It was very low. I constantly experienced self-doubt every single day because I didn't know if graduating from university, not applying to any grad schemes or jobs was going to be a good idea. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going very well for me, but that just represents that I was getting up every single day and trying regardless. Because you knew leaving university, you wanted to create kind of content in terms of the self-development and stuff. Is that what you set out from university to do? I knew I wanted to work for myself. The thought of working in a nine to five or just in a traditional job environment terrified me from from a very young age because I was just very introverted. I always wanted to be on my own. Um, I had already been doing self-development content on TikTok throughout uni as a side hustle. So it was something I had a passion for, but I didn't believe in myself enough at that point to think it was actually going to be full time. Mm -hmm. And a year later, so hang on, where are you at at that moment in time? Like give us a snapshot of Yeah. Subscribers and stuff like that. January, 2023. I had just hit 100K on TikTok. I had 40K on Instagram and I had 2K on YouTube. 2K on YouTube. Yeah. How many people have you got on YouTube now? (laughs) I have 830K on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. 12 months. That's pretty insane. Like that's absolutely crazy. Um, And I think it goes to show because the content that you create is so helpful for so many people. So we're going to dive into some of those areas of of kind of self-development within this episode. First of all, why self-development? Why does that mean so much to you? I feel like I was really influenced to get into that space because of the way that I grew up. And I fell in love with self-development as a topic from a really young age. Um, I am an only child, so I didn't really have siblings to go to advice for. Um, I've always been a bit of a loner and I struggled making friends a lot. So I couldn't really go to them. I had a very different and separated relationship to my parents as well. So 
throughout my entire life, I've been living with my grandparents and they weren't exactly people that I could go and ask for advice for on like mean girls at school and friendship breakups and boy problems. So every single day I found myself going on YouTube, going on Google. How can I be confident? How can I talk to people? How do I get a boy to like me? Like truly, those mm-hmm. are some of my Google searches. And so I was really experienced in watching majority of the YouTube self-development videos and they did help me a lot. But because I was consuming so much of that content, after a few years, I felt this gap where I feel like my questions were either going half answered or I was getting really bored by the content out there and it just wasn't giving me what I needed. So by the time it came to me becoming a content creator, I knew exactly what gap I needed to fill. I knew exactly what my younger self would have needed to watch. So I set out to create that. Mm-hmm. And it worked because I guess other people must have been feeling that gap as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I can relate to what you're saying because quite often when you search for how to do something online or like, for example, how to be confident, the answer will be like, believe in yourself. Yes. And like, it's just like airy fairy. It's like not actually that helpful. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of see, need to see like actionable 100%. tips. So we promise in this episode, we're going to give you so many actionable yeah. tips of things that have worked for you. And hopefully I'll chip in with a couple of things that'll be helpful for people too. (laughs) Um, And just to be able to take away from this episode, because I think sometimes self-development gets a bad rep um, because people will go, it's it's constant. You're just grinding and you just, you're never satisfied with where you are at. And I think that definitely is a problem. I think it's really important to acknowledge where you are at and be grateful for where you're at for every single moment. But it doesn't ever hurt, I think, to want to try and be better, a better person, build a better life for yourself. Mm. How do you feel about self-development as a whole? I've seen a lot of content popping up of people trying to bring down self-development content. And I think there's no bad intention behind it. And it's truly about your relationship to it and your desire to grow as a person. If you don't want to set up a business and you're not interested in retiring at an early age, there's nothing wrong with that. But then you just alter what kind of content you consume. And maybe, you know, like I like to listen to a self-development podcast every single morning. You might want to listen to one once a month to learn something new about either your health or your fitness or how you can manifest something. Um, But I love how common it is now for people to be putting out that knowledge and sharing lessons that have made them more confident. And I think it's a really positive influence for so many young people out there. A quick note from our sponsors, Zopa Bank, who are here to help you with your personal finance in the Zopa app. Zopa have a for you section on their app that gives you helpful, personalized insights like reviewing your subscriptions, checking for cheaper broadband and energy bills. The first thing that you need to do is link your accounts using open banking. Once your accounts are connected, the available data will let Zopa understand your finances and give you personalized insights. It will also analyze your credit file and check your Zopa eligibility. Best of all, it's all free and at your fingertips always. So you can make sure you're making the best, most informed choice with your money 24-7. Download the Zopa app now to find out more. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So you alluded there a little bit to your upbringing. Um, So tell us a little bit more about this because you've been on a few podcasts recently and I know from chatting to you a little bit in depth before the podcast and stuff, we wanted to dive a little bit deeper than your previous podcast that you've guested on. So tell us, really what it was like for you growing up and what you experienced? So I feel like I had a pretty normal childhood up until around seven years old where my mum moved to London for work, which was three hours away from my hometown. 
And a couple of months later, my dad also moved there for work as well. So I was seven years old. I had moved into my grandparents' home. I was three hours away from both of my parents, saw them maybe every other weekend. Um, And it was weird and it was different. Um, And then when I was nine years old, they divorced. And my dad was also no longer in my life. So now I was from a single parent family, but then the single parent I had, I also rarely saw. Mm. Um, But I feel like I kind of just accepted that that was my reality. What really hit me was when I went to secondary school and then I was navigating puberty and all of these desires, like wanting to have more friends and having, you know, typical girl teenage problems and not having anybody to speak about it to. Um, So I just found myself trying to figure it out alone a lot of the time. I knew if I was going through something at school, like uh, falling out with a friend or something, when I came home, all of that noise was going to be in my head and I was going to be the one to deal with it. I didn't really feel comfortable to go to anybody else to talk my problems out. So I feel like I developed that skill at a really young age to talk myself through those problems and become my own therapist, which eventually got me into consuming so much self-development content. Mm-hmm. Do you think like self-development like has basically helped be, I guess, your mentor and your friend? Because I feel like when you feel lonely doing whatever it is that you do, or like no one's ever felt that way, it can kind of be hard to find something that you find comfort in. Like what was self-development for you at that time? It was like a friend. I really struggled making friends at school. Um, And I was, when I was like 13, 14, YouTube was like what TikTok is now. Yeah. So the influences I was watching at that time on YouTube felt like my friends and felt like the people that understood me that I didn't necessarily have in my peer group and it made me realize that I wasn't that my hometown wasn't my place and that there are other people across the world who have similar interests to me and think in a similar way to me and I think it really inspired me to think more out of the box and I realized at a younger age that this isn't the place I want to grow up this isn't a career I want because I could see people living out their dreams online in creative job roles because I spent a lot of time on my own consuming self-development content, which helped me a little bit with confidence and kind of gaining more security myself. I was also learning skills. So to keep myself entertained, being an only child, I spent a lot of time on my computer editing videos. And so I was also researching at the same time how to get better at making videos, how to set up a YouTube channel. At one point I had a fashion blog, how to work a website. So I was always juggling quite a few different projects. So I also realized, okay, I'm a creative. I'm too introverted to be able to handle even an interviewing process for a job. And I'm watching all of these influencers being able to turn that into their real life. So I think I figured out kind of a overall view of what I wanted to do at a young age. Mm-hmm. For you then, I guess it's turning like, what was, would you describe it as pain when you were younger? Like what you went through, like the kind of the whole family side of things and what you went through in school. Like it's, I guess it's turning that pain into a bit of a passion project then really. Yeah, there was always a pain that it's never something that I would talk about, nor anything that anyone would ever realize because I always kind of acted like I was okay with it. But I think that's because I had this discomfort with even talking about it to other people. Mm. Um, I had a lot of lack in my mind at that point. I really felt like life was unfair. And I thought, why has my life kind of been turned upside down and I'm not even 10 years old yet. And I go to my friend's houses and they have this super simple, easy life where 
your relationship with your parents should just be a given, right? They're going to be there when you get home from school. They're going to help you with your homework. And I thought, why is such a simple thing? Why could I not get that? And I went through a lot of my teen years thinking that way about life and thinking that it was unfair. And I turned that into a passion because I repeated this one thing to myself throughout my entire teen years, which was one day I'm going to create a larger an unordinary life for myself that's going to make all of the pain worth it. Because the thought of having to go through adversity from a younger age just to end up with the same result that everybody else gets terrified me. I was like, there has to be a reason that I was put on this path and that I had to learn these lessons much earlier than everyone else. So once again, I kind of turned to self-development. I used to watch a lot of motivational speeches online from celebrities. (laughs) And some of the most successful people in the world have unordinary childhoods or they've gone through trauma from a young age or they struggled to make friends and they were insecure and it led them on to these amazing successes and I thought that can be me I can relate to that is there anyone that springs to mind in terms of those amazing motivational speeches I remember Oprah's really comes to mind because I think that really shocked me but there were loads of people Mm -hmm. I think it's a very common theme amongst so many celebrities Yeah, I I do think so. I think a lot of people, I I get that mindset though. It's very, it's, it's, it's very understandable why people would think like, why is, does my life look this way? And, and a lot of people, you know, it it can't be helped. Like, but there are certain things, I guess, that you can do to try and put your life into a path that you feel happy with, that you feel in control of. Um, for you then that hasn't all happened overnight though. Like success is one of those things or finding happiness or fulfillment is one of those things that is a slow burner, right? Yes, for sure. I feel like where I'm at in my life right now, it's been 10 years in the making and there's been so many failures over the last decade. It's definitely been a process. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people do think that like a lot of young people, they start on a path and when they don't see like rewards or things going right they'll give up like quite early Mm. on and I think there are definitely some times where I think it's right to like quit on stuff that that isn't going well but I also think that there's really important points where it's hard you're not seeing many results and you kind of just need to like push through because there might be something that kind of happens and as long as you believe that what you're building is worth it and authentically what you're trying to do or the path you're trying to go down, you know, the career you're trying to start, the company you're trying to join, like as long as you feel it's the right thing you should be doing, like pushing through hard parts is actually probably like the quickest way to success. Whereas a lot of people just jump ship and change idea. What's your experience of that? I have always said the exact same as you where I'm like, get through as many failures as you can because the success at the end of it is inevitable. And the sooner that you fail, the sooner that you're going to win. Each of those failures teaches you the necessary lesson you need to be redirected onto your path of success. And I compare it a lot to dating. Like no one is born knowing what they want in a relationship, who they're supposed to be with, what they can and cannot tolerate. So why do we have that expectation for our careers that we know what environment we're supposed to be in, what project's going to work? Can we be a business owner? Can we not? So that's what I've experienced. And I always knew I wanted to be a creative, but I didn't know what I wanted what I wanted that to look like. So I spent many of my teen years just drawing. And then I wanted to go to film school instead of university, but I decided not to. So I changed my mind about a lot of things. Like I said, I was a fashion blogger when I was 16. 
that sounds so professional, but it actually had no success. And I don't think anyone visited <laughs> that website. Um, but it was just a skill set that I was learning. And yeah, no one looked at that website, but it taught me so much in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 17, I set up my first business and it was a jewelry business and I did it for one year. I probably made like several sales and that was it. I did a pop-up shop in my hometown. Wow, you've done so many things. There you like, go. Yeah. And none of them were big successes. And I probably did make a loss on a lot of those things, but it was the skills that came with it that allowed me to make my current path grow so quickly. Mm-hmm. So tips then for people who are striving to achieve more in life and to find their passion, what would you say are your number one tips? Okay. So like I said before, fail fast Mm -hmm. and focus more on what experience and what skill set am I going to learn out of this? You know, if you're trying one project that has to put you in a room full of a lot of people, that's one thing and then try something else. Another thing I'm such a big believer in is the company that you surround yourself with is everything Mm -hmm. and it truly influences where you go in life and as an introvert and somebody who's never been that good at making friends for me my people were the self-development people I was watching online like it doesn't need to be friends that you're making in real life because it can be hard depending on what school you go to what town you're from so that's where these podcasts come in and the YouTube videos you watch come in because you're constantly hearing people that are like-minded and have growth mindsets talk about where they're going in life and what they're using and it influences you and the decisions that you make every single day and that's truly allowed me to think so much out of the box in where I'm going because I grew up in an environment where I don't think my family really had that abundance mindset and I learned that online. I had friends who wanted a completely different job and career path that I did, which is fine, but I can't just hear that every single day because how am I going to get the courage to go and pursue what I want? Mm-hmm. So when some all of that advice is amazing, But like, what if you feel like the odds are stacked really against you? Like you want to grow a YouTube channel to almost a million subscribers like you have, but you're starting off and you're like 2000 subscribers at the beginning. How do you get into a mindset of like, that is even possible for you? I'm going to be really harsh with this because if I could be face to face to my younger self, I would grab her by the arms, shake her and tell her this, which is what do you mean that the odds are stacked against you? Because aren't the odds stacked against everyone. Everyone starts from zero somehow. Everyone has to build something up. Nobody ever will ever have reassurance that this is going to work, but you do it anyway. And you owe that to yourself. And I speak a lot about self-love online and I feel like that's the biggest act of self-love. I want this and it's going to feel uncomfortable every single day and I'm going to fail so many times. But if this is what I want to do, then it's my obligation to myself to show up for myself every single day to make it work regardless, even if it hurts my ego. Even if my friends are laughing at me and people don't believe in me, I believe in myself. What if though, sorry, just to play devil's no, advocate. No, go for what it. What if though, there are people there and they've gone, but that person comes from a wealthy family. That's what they're, why they're able to do it. That person already has connections with X, Y, Z, or that person has a degree that I haven't done. Like what if though you feel like those kind of odds, so financial, um, education, connections, what if those odds are stacked against you for what you want to do in life? I think one, comparing yourself to other people is the biggest form of self-sabotage. 
Like, sure, you can think about all of these people that come from very privileged backgrounds and that they are going to be a step ahead of you in life. But you thinking about them, what, where is that going to take you? You're still sat in your bedroom thinking about what you want to do and not taking action on it. And that's on you. Second, everybody has some sort of privilege and you might not have the wealthy background and you might not have the connections, but you're still a higher step on the ladder than somebody else might be. Someone could be comparing themselves to you and saying that you're privileged and you're you're not even recognizing the opportunities that you have because you're too busy comparing yourself to the next person. Mm-hmm. It's very true. And that's why I wanted to ask that question because I knew people would be listening to this going, yeah, yeah Tam, but what if they've got money? Yeah. And what if they've got like, you know, this career? And I think because that's the ultimate argument that everyone would just throw at you. Like, and I think that's why it's important to have like a two-way conversation because I, I think you're right. Like noticing where you are and being like, okay, like this is, this is where I am at. And this is all that matters. It doesn't matter where everyone else is at. This is where I am at. And this is where I want to go. Like, that's enough. You don't need to. It's very hard though, because I think we all, especially when you're on social media, it's so easy to get into comparison mode. Like so easy. Like, how do you avoid that comparison side of things? I feel like I learned at an early age, like what you were saying, I... It was a long process because like you said, it is hard. Mm. But when I was like 16, 17, that's when I started to see the privilege in my pain, which is what kept me going. Like, okay, life hasn't been very normal and there are a lot of things that I'm hurt about, but there is also so much that I could take advantage of and I can use this pain in my power to progress. So I learned that very quickly. And now I'm at a point where, you know, social media is a lot bigger and I could be consuming it every single day, but I do myself the favor in advance where I don't follow a lot of people on social media. I've gone through my TikTok and my Twitter and old press not interested on so many things where I have reprogrammed the algorithm to work in my favor. So I don't follow Mm. influencers unless they are self-development influencers that are educating me on a daily basis. I don't need to know where someone's going on holiday. I don't need to know how much money they're making because you're gonna compare yourself. It's just human. When I go onto TikTok, you can scroll through my For You page. It's motivational quotes. It's education about spirituality. I feel like that says a lot about someone, what their TikTok page looks like. It does, yeah. (laughs) And I don't wanna keep up with what everyone else is doing because as someone who's in the spotlight themselves, you never know what someone's going through. And I know that and... I think when I look at someone who's doing well, I think that's great. But also no matter how well you're doing, I would never want your life because you never know what's going on Mm -hmm. behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. My relationship with um, comparison has definitely improved massively. Like I would even say like, four years ago, I used to be like, oh my God, they're doing something that's remotely like what I'm building. Or, you know, I see that person, they've got that success. And now I'm like genuine, like genuinely happy for people when I see that they've done this or they've done this. Like, and I, and I often sit down and think, where did that come from? Because I definitely didn't think like this, like three, four years ago. And I'm still trying to think about it guys. I don't really know the answer, but I definitely think that it's kind of just becoming more is celebrating more of the achievements that I've managed to do myself. And also just thinking again, like, yeah, their life is, is for theirs to live. And it's, it's just not even yeah. worth comp- comparing, but I, think, I don't know what the answer is. I'm still trying to search for that answer. Yeah. I think it's a lot about just trusting in your own journey. Mm, and true. it's also a lot about gratitude, like going on my own self-development and self-love journey. I've just realized I'm, I feel so lucky to be in this life. I feel so blessed to have had the journey that I have where I genuinely would never want anybody else's life. And you might have achieved things that I'm working towards, but that doesn't mean I can't also get them. Yeah, true. You know, mm. and I, I feel like I 
will get them and life is always working out in my favor. I I think whenever I used to compare myself to other people, it was just a result of a scarcity mindset. Maybe, yeah. Because I think like my word like for the year, well, we did words for the year last year. My word was abundance. Love that. So maybe it's just worked. You know, you just pick a word, guys, and it works. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's tricky because I'm like, I like self-development, but I'm not in it every single day like what you are. A lot of people mm. will say when you come and talk to any podcast, a lot of it is self-development and it is. But I think ultimately, like I am not conscious of like analyzing how I'm better at, you know, improving my comparison or improving confidence and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to hear your your point of view on that. Let's take a quick pause for a second. If you're an OG listener of the podcast, you'll know I haven't always had the easiest ride with my mental health in my 20s. Our newest paid partner, BetterHelp, which gives you access to online therapists, is something that's helped me immensely. With BetterHelp, you can have your therapy sessions as a phone call, a video chat, or even via messaging if you prefer that. Whatever is the most comfortable version of therapy for you. To get started, you fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you'll get matched with a therapist, in most cases within 48 hours or less. You'll then be able to schedule therapy sessions at a time that's convenient for you. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com forward slash talk 20s. And that link will also get you 10% off your first month too. Mindset. Mindset is so important. How have you managed to kind of rewire your mindset to become more abundant, to think things in the way that you do now, as opposed to what you felt like in your early teens? (sighs) I feel like there's so many factors to it and I definitely struggled with it for so long comparing myself to others and feeling unlucky in life. I think gradually as I went through certain life experiences and certain things were starting to go my way, I think I could just see just from reflection that, oh, if so-and-so didn't happen in my life, then I wouldn't have the knowledge to then deal with the situation or to have the idea to get to this place. So it was kind of like coming together in my mind in that way. But also um, self-education was a really big thing. So when I started reading books about manifestation or watching videos about it, Mm. it was online that I learned about this concept of an abundance mindset. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then I was learning about what it meant and how you would practice that every day. And I thought, this sounds nice. Let me try it and see if it works. And I'm just all about just trying to give yourself your best shot every single day. And why wouldn't you try your best to think like that? It might not stick. It might not work, but you deserve to try and be in that positive headspace every single day. So I did it. And I feel like it's just become a habit where any situation that's thrown at me, I always try and look at it glass half full. Mm -hmm. And it's helped me in so many different ways. It's helped me in all of my manifestations. I can manifest like that now. Explain to us how you manifest. What, what's your process? Give us practical tips. I think it's all in your mindset. Like there are loads of different tips. You know, you can vision board, people do scripting. But before I go into that, I just want to say you are actively manifesting with every single thought you have. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds terrifying to some people because you can't always control what goes in and out of your brain. But also at the same time, I feel like you can because you can learn how to adopt an abundance mindset. And with everything you have, you know, if you always think, I don't have enough money and this isn't realistic and I can't make my creative passion work. That's the life experience you're always going to have because that's all you're ever thinking. And um, so I started to adopt this abundance mindset. So I just think whenever I have an idea to do something, I could have zero knowledge on it. I'm like, I'm going to make it happen. And that's that. Um, I'm a big vision boarder. 
So in my previous vision board, you know, I had a picture of my dream apartment, which I'm currently living in. I had um, pictures of places I wanted to travel to, which are now done. Um, And there's a literal science behind vision boarding, which is if you're looking at these pictures of your dream reality every single day, your brain actually doesn't know the difference between an imagined experience and a real one. So it's looking at it. And there are studies that show that by looking at this vision board, it actually creates new neural pathways in your brain that will then help you better action all of those goals on your vision board. Um, But I think mine is more in my mindset and also confidence is a big thing. Like I've manifested one of my closest friends I have in my life right now because I saw her on TikTok one day and she ran a business and I was looking for like-minded friends at that point in my life. And I thought, I'm going to be friends with this girl. And later on that night, I was on the phone to my boyfriend. He was like, how was your day? And I was like, I saw this girl on TikTok and I just have a feeling that we're going to be friends. She's based in the Midlands. I don't know how. I'm not going to do anything because I know it will come to me because I just have that much confidence in the universe. One week later, she DMs me. We had no idea of each other. We had no mutual friends. She said, do you want to have lunch? So I go down to her city. We have lunch. Next week, we're having dinner again. And now we live in the same city. We're about 10 minutes away from each other and we see each other all the time. That's so nice. It's crazy. Oh, I love that. But I didn't do anything. I didn't yeah. print out a picture of it and put it on my wall. Yeah. I just thought, I want this and I deserve this and it's going to come to me and I'll let the universe do its work. I think your relationship story is also a crazy yeah. one. Like tell the listeners about how you kind of manifested that to happen because that one just blows my mind. So there's so much before he even came into my life where I had a series of failed relationships um, so I took a year out of my life to just focus on myself. And I, no I finally, dating. no dating, no talking no, stages, nothing. nothing. Okay. Just, yeah. I was solo dating and I was trying to grow my career. That's quite a big thing in itself. Let's talk about that first yeah. before we go into how you found your boy, boyfriend. Talk to us about solo dating and why did you, how long was this, did this go on for? And what did you do in that time? Because I think a lot of people like the idea of it, but then also a little bit like, oh, does that mean I can't talk to that person? Mm. Like explain that process. I had a really bad heartbreak at the end of 2021. And this was after four back-to-back failed relationships. And I remember I was crying in my bedroom and I looked in the mirror and I thought, this is your fault. Like the common denominator in all of these things is me. Why do I keep ending up in these relationships where I'm being treated kind of like bare minimum and in an undeserving way? I'm the one who's getting myself into them. Why am I attracting it in the first place? And I thought... The word self-love came to mind. And at that point, I actually had no idea what that word meant or how to achieve it. But I just thought that sounds nice. I'm going to go for that. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good time because New Year's was just around the corner. So then it was 2022. And I thought, I don't trust myself because I'm such a serial data and I really relied heavily on male validation. So I thought if I can go a whole year without having a crush on a boy and getting into a relationship, (laughs) then I know I can trust myself. Okay. So I was like, I got to fulfill this mission to myself. Mm -hmm. So I was waking up every single day. I'd work out. I'd work on my passion projects. I was doing my uni assignments Mm -hmm. and that was good enough. I was like, I'm focusing on myself and it was hard. And I felt really deprived of attention and validation, but I was also kind of learning, okay, to give that back to myself. Then Valentine's Day rolls around and it's my first single Valentine's Day in like three years. And I thought, F it, I'm going to take myself on a date. It was still kind of like lockdown vibes at that time. So I, I went- love, I love how everyone describes that time as lockdown, lockdown vibes. vibes. Lockdown vibes. <laughs> lockdown vibes. <laughs> because it was like, you didn't know, at that point,
point if it was locked down or if it wasn't because well, it was then, on and yeah, off. It was still kind of lockdown yeah. vibes. So some places were open and some, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some yeah, places yeah. were. Yeah. So I went to a drive through and I was in my car. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's all I could do. Yeah. And I sat in the car with my burger and I was just like, spending time with myself and it's such a simple small thing and I'd never even done that on my own because mm. if I wanted to go to a drive-thru I'd go with a friend mm. and it was just such when a game when you were looking changer. around at all the other couples who are maybe going through the drive-thru as their date on Valentine's yeah. what were you thinking was any part of you like I want to just like text a guy or like it wasn't that I felt empowered in the sense that I got myself there and I had made it two months without talking to somebody that was a big accomplishment okay, for me yeah. I did feel mortified and embarrassed that I was sat there alone Okay. So then I realized, okay, my confidence is being challenged here. Mm-hmm. That's something I need to work on. So then I challenged myself again. Okay, when lockdown is over, I need to go sit in a restaurant by myself. Terrifying. And I sat there and I was trying to film it because obviously I'm doing content as well. There were literally, the restaurant I was in, three other people there. And I'm sure they were minding their business, but I was convinced that they were staring at me and they were judging me. And it was horrible. I actually hated it. But I went out and I thought, oh my God, I survived it. Let me try it again. Mm-hmm. Tried it again. Didn't feel as bad. And then I kept challenging myself. And then I made this solo date bucket list. And I thought, let me think of the scariest, like most uncomfortable experience. And I told myself one day I want to go to a concert yeah. alone yeah. and I want to go abroad alone. And I've mm-hmm. now done those things. Done those things. Who did you go and see and where did you I went go? to go see Kalani in Birmingham. Okay. At that point, I wasn't living in Birmingham. That was very uncomfy, but it was amazing. I found a friend in the crowd. She was also on a solo date. And I'd never met anyone. And I was like, it's like fate, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it was actually such a lovely, wholesome experience. Um, And then I went to Amsterdam alone for a weekend that I just did the other month. That was such a big step for me because obviously I'm in a relationship now, but I told myself at that point. Oh, so you went, you were were in a relationship, but you still were traveling on your own? Yes, because traveling was just last month. So obviously I've been in a a relationship when I was like before, a few years ago, that's when I was doing solo dating and I was single. But I told myself, one day I'm going to get into a relationship, but I can't abandon the relationship to myself. Mm. This isn't just um, a little bridge between relationships. This is lifelong and I have to stay consistent to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how you've carried on that solo dating. Like you yeah. didn't find a guy and then was like, okay, I'm going to give up on solo yeah. dating now. Like, I think that's a whole lesson from this like whole podcast, which a lot of people who are maybe struggling with relationships or probably, I mean, before, I mean, I've been in a long-term relationship, but I know that cycle of just like wanting to be, like speaking to someone and wanting mm. to get that validation. Like I can imagine that was like really reaffirming for you to go, no, I can do this. Like, you know, I don't need yeah. the attention and all those kinds of things. Um, so tell us about your current relationship now. Okay. So when I was in that solo dating era, I was journaling a lot because, you know, that was another step in my self-development journey. And I thought, what if I manifest the person I've always wanted to be with. Not in the sense that I need them now. And if they came into my life, I certainly wouldn't want them now because I'm on this mission that Mm -hmm. I have to fulfill. Did you do it a whole year? I did. Wow. Okay. But I took two pages out of my journal and I thought, I'm going to write a checklist. So I was drawing little checkboxes and then every quality I wanted in my dream partner. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm just going to let it sit there and then see if someone comes with all of these qualities. And I really tried to stray away from superficial stuff. Although I did write six foot in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I wrote things that he would be into so Mm. I remember you know likes museums likes books because I'd never been in a relationship with someone who had same similar interests to me which is kind of crazy um really shows that my standards where did you meet these other people if they didn't I was just accepting anyone I was like come on (laughs) if you're gonna give me attention um I can't even remember half of the things in that list 
even like I think kind of um, where he's from, what kind of job he has, just qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I let that just sit there. And then six months later, it was the six month mark of my self-love journey. And I was just on Twitter one day and I was scrolling through and I saw this picture that someone had tweeted of a museum exhibition um, that I had seen five years prior and I'd been wanting to go to this exhibition for ages. And like seeing that image again, I was like, oh my God, it's that, you know, it reminded me of it. So I liked it. And then I went about my day. That was my current boyfriend's tweet. And we had no idea about each other. We had no mutual people, complete strangers. So he saw that I liked it. So he went to my Twitter profile and found my Instagram through there. And he had no idea who I was. I didn't have a following or anything at that point. So he went to my Instagram and he followed me. And I was doing a QA and a on my stories with my followers, asking them to give me museum recommendations because I was going to be in London the next day. So he used that to start a conversation with me. <laughs> he was like, oh, could you send me your museum recommendations? Because... Um, I would love to go as well. And I was like, this guy is like exactly my type and he likes museums. Interesting. Because I wrote that on my list and I'd (laughs) never considered that before. Um, But it was a really nice, wholesome way to start a conversation because I didn't think he was flirting with me. So we were talking about our favorite exhibitions. Then we were talking about our favorite books. Then we were talking about our travel list. And I'm like, this is a stranger. And we're having such a deep and meaningful conversation. So I was like, oh, well, this is nice. And then he asks, he was like, I'd love to take you on a date. And I thought, oh, I don't know, because I'm in my self-love era. But I went on it and it was really good. But I came back from the date and I thought, no, I can't abandon my promise to myself. So mm-hmm. I texted him and I was like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> but he was so nice. And yeah. I felt so bad. And I thought, no, like the timing is off. Just no. So we cut things off. And then he just wouldn't leave my head. I was like, I can't stop thinking about him. He was actually such a nice person. I've never met anybody like him. So three months later, it's now autumn time of that year. I just randomly text him out of the blue. And I'm like, I would just love to be friends with you because I really love your values and your personality. And he was like, yeah. And then we were friends for the next year. Um, We weren't too close. So we, you know, we weren't like fully in contact all the time. And I think it had been a year since that date. And I went to Wireless Festival with my friends and it was the end of the festival when the headliner was on the stage. So it's like the busiest little portion of that area. There's 40,000 people in a crowd and I'm just looking around and I look over here and he's two people away from me and I haven't seen him in like six months. That's crazy. I was like, what? And he was like, what? Um, So he texted me after the festival and then the rest is history and we've been together since. That's mad. Yeah, so it's like fake. But I love that you kind of was like, no, I'm in my, I'm in my dating that was year. Like, very I'm like, girl you, of me. Yeah, like not many people would do it was that. A, it was a big yeah, step yeah. because there was nothing wrong with him. There was no reason to end things. Mm-hmm. But I was like, if I, you know, continue this. You then, made a promise yeah, to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Because I was going to say to you, what if you had found someone that you thought like in that time, like was the person that was right for you well, and it happened and I just yeah. find it weird that he came into my life at that point in yeah. time as well and he and he came back into it when yeah. you were obviously in a position and he was so understanding yeah. when I said no thanks but let's just be friends he was like okay not many guys would do that either <laughs> I would reckon but as we well. talk about so it now. maybe that's a real crucial point to the relationship I like, think so he goes he was like from the moment I met you I knew that you were you were going to be the one for me so he was like, I was willing to just wait and put the work in and he whoa. didn't see anybody else what in all that time no. He was like, wow. I knew that it was going to work out eventually. Maybe he manifested me. Maybe he manifested maybe, you. Maybe. 
Um, so what does a day in your life actually look like nowadays? Uh, they vary, but I would say probably like the busiest day would probably be a filming day. So I'll wake up. I used to be waking up at like 6 a.m., but you know, it's so dark and cold now. I just can't do it. Who is doing that in this weather? I, can't. I see people like, I'm going to start 5 a.m. in the new year. I'm like, no. It's so cold. Like it's I woke freezing. up at 7 a.m. yesterday. It looked like it was three o'clock in the morning because it was pitch black. And yeah. I was like, no. So I stayed in bed. <laughs> um, so recently I've been waking up at like 8 a.m. When it's daylight. No, it's so refreshing to hear a self-development like creator go, I don't wake up at 5 a.m. You got to move with them. You got to move with how you're feeling yeah. and honor your body. <laughs> and, you know, um, so I wake up as early as I can, depending on, yeah. you know, what life is like. And then I will head to the gym. I really prioritize movement in the morning, which isn't always fun, but I've just learned it does the best for my hormones. It makes me feel happy. It's really good for my mental health. So I, I you never- said it's not fun. How like, and this, I guess, comes back into mindset. Like, how do you, does that play out in practice in terms of your mindset? You said the gym is not fun. You wake up like you, it's, it's cold outside. It's kind of yeah. dark outside. How do you get yourself physically to the gym? Because my mindset is never, oh my God, I need to go to the gym and I need to do this amount of weights and I need to be in the gym for the full hour mm -hmm. and burn this amount of calories. It's never been my mindset. It's, I am going for my mental health mm -hmm. because it allows me to operate at my best level as a human, it does really good for my happiness levels, my dopamine. That's just a responsibility to myself. Yeah, it sucks in the moment, but when I come back from the gym, I have next level energy for the rest of my day. And I have proven that to be true every single time I've pushed past that initial discomfort. Mm -hmm. So now I, I do it all the time. So yeah, gym, or I'll go on an hour walk instead if that's how I'm feeling and I'm just low energy for the morning, I wanna honor my needs. Once I've gotten that movement in, come back home, have my supplements, get ready for the day, have my breakfast, and then I'll get my filming done first thing. Because even after doing it for a year, it's still what I see as the most, the hardest part of my day. Okay. So like, you know, the eat the frog concept. Yeah. So you I do the hardest thing first. Hardest I guess if you've first. already been to the gym and then you're recording your content, yeah. which feels By like the hardest thing. Yeah. My stress is gone. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot because I still have a lot of perfectionism around it. Um, and it requires just a lot of emotional energy to put into it, to show up as my best self on camera, to remember everything I'm going to say. So I'll record. That normally takes two hours. Like when I'm editing, I for have two hours long of footage. Video? All of my videos are 20 to 30 minutes, but and I'm talking for two, for two hours. hours. Yeah. So I cut out a lot of what I say, but yeah. that's why I think I've grown so fast. I try and make the content as concise as possible. Yeah. No one needs to hear me talk for two hours. Yeah. Um, and then I'll have that my- That wasn't a lunch. yes, no one hears, needs to hear you talk for two hours. <laughs> like that. I was just like, yeah, I'm in the next part. <laughs> um, and then I'll make my lunch. And then afterwards, I'll probably either immediately edit that video that I just filmed. Editing is like a three hour process. Okay. Um, have a little snack, have a little break. And then I'll always spend the evening- doing something different. So sometimes it's either maybe a recording a podcast episode, uh, depending on what needs to be done. I have some secret projects that I'm currently working on, mm, which I can't exciting. talk about. But there, there are just a lot the of things. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely just a lot of things that I'm juggling right now. Have dinner. Sometimes I'll be working after dinner. But I've made it a priority recently where I get one hour before bed where I can watch Netflix. Mm -hmm. And that's my wind down time because I was going through a period before where I would work from the moment that I woke up to the moment that I went to sleep and I just burn out so fast. Yeah. And then, yeah, go to sleep, wake up, do it all over again. And I do that Monday to Saturday and then Sundays of my self-care days where I do my chores, I do my self-care and then I can also write in front of the TV if I want to. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. And do you know what? It's really nice to hear. One, you don't get up at 5am. Two, that you're not working every single hour of the the day. You take a whole day off per week. Most self-development like gurus will say none of those things you should do. But I think that's like so important to your mental health, Mm. all of those three things. So yeah, very refreshing to hear a day in your life. Um, And for someone who's listened to this, who wants to get started, who wants to kind of tap into this mindset sort of thing, what three self-help books would you recommend as like starting points? This is so hard. Um, Because there are just so many different topics. But I would say number one, The Secret, because it's one of the Mm. first self-help books I read and it just transformed my mindset. It taught me those abundance mindset qualities. It got me into manifestation. It like flipped a switch in my brain. And yes, there's been a lot of research I've done since on manifestation, but that was like the blueprint for me. And I think everyone needs to read it. It's so simple and easy to read as well. Um, There's also some good films on like Netflix that are like like the making of. And so like, if you kind of, if you're not a book person, I think there's those. They do, they have a little documentary. There's a documentary version. And there's also a film version of it. Like I don't, I've watched it and it's just like, it's like the secret, but played out in like characters and stuff. Oh, wow. I you need should to watch, watch it if you haven't seen it. I'm going to watch, watch it. It's quite good. Um, and then I would say The Daily Stoic, which I only read a few months ago. Okay. I've not read that. So easy to read. It's doesn't even take up a full page. So you're supposed to read one page a day. Okay. I read it in one sitting because I was impatient. <laughs> but it has a date and you're just supposed to read it one day of the year. So it's uh, really good to start. Because it's like daily, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. In 2024, read one page a day um, and each page is like one paragraph. And it will take a quote, stoicism quote, and then the author kind of explains it in plain English for you. And it's really good to kind of get your mindset on the right track. So they'll talk about things like... Um, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, expectations, disappointments, some stuff about self-love. Um, and because it's such an easy read, I think it's a really good kind of entry book to self-growth. But it's something that I pick up and reread all the time because I think there's so much wisdom in there. And then lastly is this book called The Courage to Be Disliked. Mm. Really cool. I've never heard anyone talk about it before, but I was just in the bookstore and I saw it. So I I picked it up. And it's funny because when I was checking out, the cashier actually told me, she's like, this is a good book. I was like, really? Because I've never heard of it before. And um, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. I love the way it's written. It's actually... The entire book is a conversation between a philosopher and a student. So as you read, it's just philosopher, colon, what he says, then student. And it's just that. Oh, wow. Just that and like no big chunks of text. And the student is asking common questions that all of us have, like, but what if they dislike me? But what if I try this? And it's really hard. And the philosopher has these amazing answers that you would have never thought of on different ways to shift your perspective and your mindset Mm. to then elevate your life. Okay. Well, I'm going to go out here and buy The Daily Stoic and The Courage to Be Disliked after this podcast. Amazing tips there. We've got some of our questions that we always ask every guest on the podcast, but I feel like your answers, like not going to big them up already, but I just know from like the self-development background that you come from, that you will totally (laughs) get these. Cause we ask everyone these, we ask celebrities, other experts who might be finance, they might be career and stuff like that. Really interesting to hear your answer on these. So for you, when looking back at your adult life, you're 24 now, what would you say is your biggest adulting failure? I struggle with this because if anybody ever asks me something along those lines, I'm like, I don't, I've made so many mistakes and you I have always flip it into a positive. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, but it's all of those question. got me onto this path. Yeah, exactly. And all of those a lot of people say that to be fair. Yeah. This all got it's me onto really this hard. path. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. And um, 
there are so many things I could technically say, but I look at them with so much gratitude and I'm like, actually that had to happen. Yeah. Um, I would say there is one like standout failure. It's a little bit deep. It's not even like a funny thing to look back on. Okay. Um, it was a relationship I got into when I was 17 and it was just really bad and really unhealthy. Um, and there was just a lot of emotional abuse throughout and I was 17 and naive and so unaware. And I was it only like properly ended when I was 19. So it was like a it's formative a long period of your life. Yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I was doing my A-levels and um, I think I really sacrificed a lot of the success that I could have grasped at that point in my life for this person that didn't actually care about me. Like I was a straight A student when I was doing my GCSEs, but in my A-levels, I did not get what I should have gotten. All of my teachers thought I'd get straight A's. Right. They, told, they took me on a trip to go to Oxbridge, like to check out the unis because they thought I could be a student that could go there. Mm-hmm. And- I told myself when I was 16, that's what I'm aiming for. Because I'd always aim for the stars. That's kind of what I grew myself into through consuming all of that self-development content. And I lost that part of myself for two years. And um, yeah, it was just really bad. And I sacrificed my sleeping routine. I lost friends because of it. I was chasing another person for two whole years. And then even after the breakup, it took me a whole year to heal from it and move on. And during that year, I did so many out of character things because I was acting from my ego. I needed validation and I was, you know, in back to back relationships. And I think that's the one thing I look back on and I'm like, that was, there was so much that was lost at that time. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that you share that because like everyone sits there and they go, all these failures, you know, they made me who I am. And I'm sure it was had a part to play, but like you kind of look back and go, I I wish you hadn't gone through that pain. Like, you know, it would have been a bit, you know, a bit of an easier two years of your life and you probably would have got those better grades or maybe had lived a different life. But, you know, these things happen and um, it kind of, you know, it sets us on the path that we're on now. Um, one of the things that is really important that we like to talk about on the podcast is that absolutely nobody is perfect. And a lot of people would look at your channel and go, Tam's got it all figured out. Like she has got it down. She knows what she's doing. But I know from speaking to everyone on the podcast, that is not the case that everybody's working on getting better at something for you. What is that one thing you're looking at getting better at right now in your life? Um, releasing control and realizing that I'm not supposed to do everything because I've grown my YouTube channel now and I'm working on other ventures and I want to grow into like a successful and established um, businesswoman, I have to step out of my comfort zone and admit, okay, it's time to kind of offload some tasks and outsource and hire a team. And even entering the hiring process is just so scary to me in my head. And because of my upbringing and my childhood and what I am just used to as a teenager, alone in her room, learning all these skills on her own, that's what I've been doing the last few years. That's Mm -hmm. my comfort zone. That's how I succeed. But that's not sustainable if I want to actually achieve all of those goals on my vision board. So right now I'm just forcing myself to step outside of that comfort zone, you know, find an editor, find a team, people that are going to help me bring my vision to life so that I can focus my creative talents on actually building up the business and building up my personal brand. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things when, once you realize that, you know, you've still got such a long way to, to go yeah. in, in everything and it just new, new week, new year, new set of challenges to overcome. Always. But we always ask our guests at the end of the podcast, if they could look back at their 20 year old self and give them just one piece of advice, one piece of advice that would see them through their twenties, what would you want to say to 20 year old Tam? Don't concern yourself with what other people are doing. Amazing advice. Thank you so much. It's been amazing to chat to you. Loved every second. Thank you for having me.